you're listening to Having a Chat on CJRU in Toronto, the show where we take interesting people with interesting tastes in music and talk to them about the music that they love. Alright, so this week for part two of our political mini-series, we sit down and chat with former conservative strategist Alistair Campbell. Throughout his career in politics, most notably working for Brian Mulroney and Mike Harris, music always played an important role in Alistair's life, so we're very excited to talk to him about his favorite music. This is Having a Chat. Um, alrighty, well, Alistair, uh, thank you very much for, uh, for joining us. And uh, we're going to kick things off with, uh, with a, tune of, uh, a tune that you picked. You sent me, uh, as I was just saying to you, you sent me a list of eight and, uh, and said that I could cut ones if I wanted, but uh, you know, you, I usually pick the, uh, the first and last song. So I'm not going to do that this time, and we're going to listen to all the tunes that you sent because uh, they're all so good I can't bring myself to cut any of them. Um, Outstanding. Yeah, so the the first song that you picked is uh, Rock Island Line uh, by Lead Belly. What can you tell us about this one? Yeah, so I'm a, I'm a child uh, and I have a turntable that my parents have passed on to me and I have their collection of 78s. Wow. So that is, you know, before the 45 or the 33. Right. Uh, and these were kind of original Americana and folk music. Right. Oh, Susanna and things like that. But the blessing for me is that I got to learn to love uh, the blues. Right. Uh, because some of uh, the earliest of these recordings from the Library of Congress were on one of these 78s. Wow. And so at the very beginning of my musical life, uh, which has been central to my life, was uh, was Lead Belly, uh, who turns out to be one of the most important uh, kind of starting points of the entire history of rock and roll. Right. And Rock Island Line is just an inspirational tune to get started. Um, do you listen to any like contemporary blues like or, or, or rather some some rock and roll songs that you see as being uh heavily influenced by the blues well sure i mean you've got some of the the big uh, almost automated uh, blues music uh, what are they the black keys right um you know just uh, just uh, keep pumping out just perpetual excellent uh blues stuff right um like it's uh, some uh magic machine they use i don't know how they do it yeah uh but uh honestly i i have not spent as much time on that kind of rabbit hole as all the right. others I've crawled down in the last few years. Right. All righty. Cool. Well, this is Rock Island Line by Lead Belly on CJRU. That Rock Island Line train out of New Orleans, coming back this way. That depot agent going to throw that switchboard over the track. That mean that Rock Island Line train's got to go in a hole. That man don't want to stop that train. He gonna talk to the depot agent with his whistle. And this is what he gonna tell him. I got cows, I got horses, I got hogs, I got sheep, I got goats, 
I got old livestock. I got old livestock. That depot agent's gonna let that train by. When that Rock Island Line train get by, that agent yellin' gonna talk back to the depot agent with his whistle, and this is what he's gonna tell him. I thank you. I thank you. I thank you. Now that old Rock Island Line train is getting on down the road. Oh, the Rock Island Line, it's a mighty good road. Oh, the Rock Island Line, it's a road to ride. Oh, the Rock Island Line, it's a mighty good road. If you want to ride, you got to ride it like you finally get your ticket at the station on the Rock Island Line. Jesus died to save our sins. Glory to God, we're going to meet him again. Oh, the Rock Island Line, it's a mighty good road. Oh, the Rock Island Line, it's a road to ride. Oh, the Rock Island Line, it's a mighty good road. If you want to ride, you got to ride it like you finally get your ticket at the station on the Rock Island Line. I may be right and I may be wrong. Do you wanna miss me when I'm gone? Or oh, the rock on the line, it's a mighty good road. Or oh, the rock on the line, it's a road to ride. Or oh, the rock on the line, it's a mighty good road. If you want to ride, you got to ride it like you find it. Get your ticket at the station on the rock on the line. Or oh, the rock on the line, it's a mighty good road. Or oh, the rock on the line, it's a road to ride. Or oh, the rock on the line, it's a mighty good road. If you want to ride, you got to ride it like you find it. Get your ticket at the station on the rock on the line. A, B, C, double, X, Y, Z. Catch in the cupboard, but they don't see me. Or oh, the rock on the line, it's a mighty good road. Or oh, the rock on the line, it's a road to ride. Or oh, the rock on the line, it's a mighty good road. If you want to ride, you got to ride it like you finally get to see you at the station on the rock on the line. Already, you just heard Lead Belly with Rock Island Line. Uh, next up, Alistair, we've got uh, a tune by Emerson Lake and Palmer. Uh, but before that, what I'd like to do is launch into our uh, our lightning round of questions. Um, and uh, if that's cool with you, uh, and as as we usually say, don't think too hard about them. Just kind of the first thing that pops into your head. But uh, but we'll start off just you know for for those listeners who need a little bit more context about who you are. With uh, where'd you grow up? Uh, so I was born and raised in Kingston, Ontario. Both my parents were professors at the at Queens. And then I finished high school in Dundas when my father moved to teach at McMaster. Do you listen to uh, to the Dirty Nil? I don't, and have made that, a note already. So it's it's funny that you say because the Dirty Nil are a phenomenal um, rock and roll band, and they are from Dundas, and and they always make a point of really really repping Dundas, which is the only reason I'm I'm familiar with with Dundas, but. Uh, Given the fact it was that a great place to it was a great place to go to high school, and the idea that there was actually a band from there is even more exciting. Right. Well, yeah. So be sure to check them out. Um, all right. So the next question is, uh, what was your first concert? Yeah. So I was thinking uh, you might ask me that. I went to uh, a seven band festival at the CNE. I must right. be seventeen, uh, and it started. And the reason I went was to see the Ramones. Oh, wow. Uh, but it, if I recall the lineup, I've been thinking hard about it and dredging the memory. So Gatto and Moxie, and then the Ramones, who got booed off stage by all the metalheads. 
uh, which was very disappointing to me. Right. And then Jonathan Winters and Aerosmith, and the headliner was Ted Nugent. Holy cow. What an interesting world where, like, that's one collective lineup. That's pretty, uh, that's pretty wild, but I could it definitely... Was a, it was a booking mistake uh, right. to put the Ramones in with that group, and that's yeah. the only reason I went. And so uh, I think they made it through a couple of songs, and I think uh, Surf and Bird, and they were off. Yeah, well, it's it's so funny. I mean, like there was um, there was this interview with Fat Mike out of NoFX who was you know sort of complaining about. I mean, there are still festivals that really do the sort of the metal and the punk thing. I guess sort of the bookers see that there's enough of a crossover to sort of do that. But but Fat Mike was saying you know like metal and punk don't mix. Like he, he's walking around this festival dressed the way he is, and he's worried that he's going to get punched by some of the guys in Five Finger Death Punch. Um, but uh, I think it's fun. That that's been uh, that that's been going on for a long time, um, and uh, so next up then is uh, first album. Yeah, so um, my parents bought me Sgt. Pepper's uh, for a, a birthday uh, in what would have been, I guess, sixty-eight or sixty-nine. Yeah. Uh, so that's that. Uh, I also got Herb Albert and the Tio on a Brass. Okay, uh, but. Uh, so it came as a, a dual gift, but right. uh, the part that's memorable for sure is it's Sergeant it's the Pepper. Sergeant Pepper. Well, it, it's yeah. funny that you mentioned the Ramones because my my um, my first album was actually you know a, also a gift from my parents. Um, I was very I, I was probably about three or four years old, and I was very very into Spider Man. And uh, my dad went to HMV and uh, was looking through all the CDs trying to find one that had the Spider Man theme song on it. And the only reason I'm bringing this up is because you mentioned the Ramones and the Ramones had actually done a cover of the Spider-Man theme song. And that was the only CD my dad could find in all of HMV that had the Spider-Man theme song on it. So and and my dad is by no means a punk rock guy. Uh, he probably, you know, if I were to play the Ramones in the car with him, he'd probably tell me to turn it off. Uh, but I just think I always think it's funny, just these sort of unintended influences that uh that our parents can have on uh, on our taste in music. You sure can. Um, all right, so next one is Guilty Pleasure Artist. Well, uh, the next song we're going to play, I would have to confess. <laughs> right. So I had this little uh, 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 side route as a 13-year-old where I got introduced uh, to progressive rock mm-hmm. and Emerson, Lake, and Palmer. And uh, I, I can only play it when my wife's out of the house. Right. And it's not a band that you mentioned to anybody uh, that you uh, listen to now. Uh, and I'm pretty sure we're not playing Abaddon's Bolero because no. it's too long. Uh, but I did suggest Jerusalem yep. uh, uh, by ELP simply because it is such a hilarious, uh, pompous, uh, self-centered and... Uh, they're just uh, progressive rock is its own odd thing, and yeah. uh, it still brings me joy sometimes. All right, brilliant. Um, and then uh, second last one is Beatles or Stones. Oh yeah, so I'm definitely Beatles. I feel like the Stones uh, are a fantastic derivative band, mm-hmm. and I think uh, the Beatles were a fantastic originating band. Right, brilliant. All right, and then last one, and uh, you know, I'm curious to hear what your take on this is, but uh, Liam or Noel. Oh, that's painful because it's it's pretty clear to me uh, the driving creative force is normal. Right. Uh, but there is a moment in the concert where I got to see them at the Molson Amphitheater. Oh, you've you've uh, actually seen doing, them? 
I have. And seeing uh, uh, Liam finishing uh, Better Man, which is one of my absolute favorite songs off there, I think Heathen Chemistry album. Right. Uh, is one of the great rock and roll moments of my entire life. So just for that, uh, I think I have to just tip over to Liam. All right. All right. Fair enough. Um, I always love just hearing why people choose one or the other. I mean, and, and it's, and it's cool. Just, the the odd time we get someone on the show who's actually seen them live uh we we always enjoy it i mean i think uh, a friend of yours if i'm not mistaken tony clement uh he, yeah. he he had seen them a couple of times and i think it's funny i mean the only the, once far, with me yeah okay well so then as far as i know the only two people uh who we've had on the show who have actually seen oasis live are uh, are the two conservatives that we've had on the show so i, I don't know what that says about <laughs> about Oasis, but I just think that's a we that's obviously a funny have more connection. time on our hands. Yeah, maybe, maybe. <laughs> um, all right, so so talk to us a little bit more about uh, about what you like about uh, Jerusalem by Emerson, Lake, and Palmer. Yeah, so I, I got raised in a, a family where classical music was what you listened to, right? And uh, and I sang in a church uh, choir. Uh, in Kingston, uh, and so uh, the whole idea of classical music and Emerson, Lake, and Palmer, you know, did pictures and exhibition and Muskorsky and stuff like that. So right. it was authorized in my parents' living room for me to play this stuff right. because these guys had this kind of pretension of right. classical. Uh, but uh, I think it would have been the Brain Salad Surgery album, which I never. Uh, knew what the it was code for, and neither did my parents, thankfully. Uh, but um, what is it code for? Uh, ger- hmm? What is brain? What is that code for? I believe it's uh, 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 British slang for a blowjob. Ah, all right. So um, the uh, album <laughs> had Jerusalem on it, and right. it was a hymn, and it's one of the greatest and most interesting hymns. Uh, with, Couldn't agree uh, more. Lyrics by Mr. Blake. Yeah, and so I played it a lot. Right. All righty. Brilliant. Well, this is uh, Emerson, Lake, and Palmer with Jerusalem on CJRU.
Alrighty, you just heard Emerson Lake and Palmer with Jerusalem. If you're just joining us, we are here having a chat with Alistair Campbell. Uh, next up, we've got a tune by the Velvet Underground. What can you tell us about this one? Yeah, so I, I got to go to high school in Kingston, and there were two uh, kind of social categories mm-hmm. the school was divided into. Uh, you were either an Elton John person right. or you were a David Bowie person, okay. and never the twain shall meet. I mean, it was pretty clear dividing line. And uh, for whatever reason, I defaulted to Bowie, and the people I met who also loved Bowie uh, uh, introduced me to the Velvet Underground. Right. And I listened to Bowie through all of his changes and evolutions uh, for the rest of his life. Uh, still listen to his last uh, uh, Black Star uh, album yeah. a lot. Uh, but honestly, the, the band that I listen to almost every day, it's on my workout track, mm-hmm. uh, it was the Velvet Underground. And uh, so they had so much influence on so many other bands afterwards. Yeah. I mean, I would certainly uh, say they're one of the most influential groups of all time. Period. And I think there's a, yeah. a fantastic quote. It was, I think, attributed to Brian Eno about their first album, you know, The Banana. Right. Uh, so it only sold 2,000 copies, but everybody who bought one started a band. Right, right. And it's that kind of influence that, uh, that certain bands have over time. Um, I was listening to one of your guests the other day uh, uh, talking about The Replacements. Yeah. Uh, another example. You yeah. know, I don't think they ever got a song that made it to Billboard. Yeah, but uh, but just how many incredibly influential bands were influenced by them. That's right. Yeah, I mean, and it, it, so I'm I'm curious what the music scene was like for you growing up in Kingston. So I mean, th- there was a time in my life when I played drums in a Kingston-based rock and roll band. I myself didn't live in Kingston, but all my bandmates went to Queens, um, and I would spend a great deal of time. Uh, booking shows in Kingston, playing shows in Kingston. And uh, and I really grew, you know, I, I came to really fall in love with the with the music scene in that city. So, I mean, what can you tell us, I mean, beyond the sort of split between Elton John and Bowie at the time, did Kingston at that point have its own music scene? Well, it must have. I, right. I think I would have left when I was 15. Uh, so, you know, down the street, uh, uh, you know, friends uh, that I hung out with, uh, I, I believe that, you know, two years later, the Tragically Hip were starting to practice in their basement. Right. Uh, and so uh, I, the idea that there was a Kingston music scene only came to me as an idea after I left the town. Right. Honestly. Fair enough. But it, it's a university town and uh, universities breed uh, more rock and roll than not. Yeah. No, I, uh, I couldn't agree more. And, uh, you know, I've got a I've got a lot of love for uh, for the Kingston music scene, a lot of great memories in that uh, in that town. But uh, anyway, this is uh, Velvet Underground with New Age on CJRU. Can I have your autograph? He said. To the fat blonde actress You know I've seen every movie you've been in From pairs of pain to jewels of glory And when you kissed Robert Mitchum Gee, but I thought you'd never catch him the hill right now 
Can I have your autograph? He said to the fat blonde actress. You know I know everything you've done. Anyway, I hate divorces. To the left is a marble shower. It was fun, even for an hour, but you're over the hill right now, and you're looking for love. You're over the hill right now. So next one is Elvis Costello. Um, yeah. So yeah, where do you want to start on that? Uh, well, I mean, it's it's up to you. But if you you saw him at the Elma Combo, so let, maybe let's start with that. Okay. So uh, all right. So I, I moved from Dundas and I'm uh, 17. And I'm get to go to University of Toronto. Mm-hmm. And so I, I'm feeling agonizing over having left Bob Dylan and Leonard Cohen out of this right. uh, sequence because they were very important to me in this period. But when I was arriving at U of T, what I really knew was I hated disco. Right. Uh, and I was also in the middle of turning into an active neoconservative. I won't worry right. that. <laughs> uh, and I also was pretty sure I liked punk. Right. And so... Um, you know, I'd already bought the Sex Pistols album, you know, as soon as it came out and all that. 
but uh, just down the street from New College, where I went to University of Toronto, was Alan Combo. Right. So I just started going to the shows there. Uh, and I saw the Ramones, and I saw Lou Reed, and I saw the Cars, right. uh, and I saw Elvis Costello. Right. And uh, but I went to all the other uh, venues in Toronto too. I saw you know Teenage Head and the Diodes at Larry's Hideaway, and I wow. saw the Demix and Jonathan Richmond and Nash the Slash and uh, Carol Pope uh, at the Edge, which wow. you know must have held eighty people or ninety people. Uh, so I, I just spent a lot of time uh, uh, for the first two years of university, really, right. uh, just going to shows uh, right. with every penny I had. So agonizing over how to boil all of that down. But when you get to the Get Happy uh, album from Elvis Costello, it's pretty much a perfect album. There right. are there are no weak songs on it. Yeah. And it was him, in my view, at the height of his songwriting right. uh, genius. And Riot Act, which is him desperately apologizing for a very stupid thing he said once when he was drunk, uh, is just one of the great songs. Brilliant. Well, so, I mean, this, this is something that I'm always curious about um, is sort of how I mean, you, you, you touched on your sort of budding political philosophy, I suppose. Um, but like and this is something that I talked about with you, with your pal, Tony Clement. Um, you know, how does music play a role it, like are they at all intertwined the music and politics of your life how do you recognize the or sorry reconcile the more left-leaning philosophies of uh, many of these musicians with your sort of you know your own political perspective yeah so uh, so rock and roll has been the soundtrack to my life so it's been the soundtrack to a lot of the stuff I've done which has included a lot of political campaigns and right. uh, I'm a conservative in Canada, so I haven't won as many uh, as uh, as the folks on the other side, but uh, some of them have turned out okay. Uh, and so that soundtrack, uh, I listen to the the music, I listen to the emotion, uh, and sometimes I listen to the words. Right. Uh, but the idea that artists are going to have a different uh, political uh, perspective than me doesn't stop me from loving yeah. the art. Yeah, uh, and doesn't uh, stop me from using that as the soundtrack for uh, everything I'm engaged in, yeah. uh, intellectually, personally, uh, socially, whatever. So I've never seen them as incompatible. Right. It's certainly true that I can't find too many of my uh, big C conservative uh, society mates who uh, are going to the same shows as right. I still am. <laughs> But that's their problem, not mine. Yeah, well, and that's what you got Tony Clement for. I mean, he, he was, uh, I, I always love just looking at his Instagram stories and seeing what shows he's at and seeing what he's listening to. But it was funny. He, he said on my show, um, you know, if he were to only listen to people like, you know, artists whose lyrics sort of agreed with him politically, he would be left with like three country artists and Kid Rock. So, I mean, and maybe we can add <laughs> Ted Nugent to that list as well. But uh, I just, I, I think you're right. And that you know, there, there's there's good stuff to be found in in all of it. But uh, um, but with that, this is Riot Act by Elvis Costello on CGRU.
righty, you just heard Riot Act by Elvis Costello on CJRU. And uh, next up, we're, uh, we're going to play an absolute classic. Um, this is uh, a Nirvana tune called Smells Like Teen Spirit. Uh, what can you tell us about your relationship with Nirvana? All right. Well, let me uh, just uh, do a little bit of history to connect the dots, if you will. Right. So yeah. I left U of T. I did a master's over in London uh, uh, at the LSE. So I, I got to see uh, music in Thatcher era, early Thatcher era, grimy London. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that was pretty amazing going to the Hammersmith and seeing the jam and, and, and stuff like that. I'll never forget. I was a Joy Division cure sort of guy right uh over there and then i moved back uh and uh went up to ottawa and worked on the Mulroney election campaign right and i think later on for your canadian content you're going to play some 5440 yep that's the plan and uh and so i got to meet them uh they became friends uh and uh, and uh through that period i'm listening to rem and all of the other stuff through the 80s mm-hmm. But I had the chance to go back uh, to school again. And right. school is a great place to re-engage with rock and roll. So I'd been working for five or six years. And I went back to get my MBA. I moved to Philadelphia and went to the Wharton School and got an MBA in finance. And so suddenly there's a, a CD store on campus right. with, you know, the purple haired tattooed before that was cool, nose ringed before people did that girl. And I'm buying, you know, the independent releases and the stuff that, uh, um, and so I owned Nirvana's Bleach uh, indie release before wow. uh, Nevermind came out. So when Nevermind came out, uh, it was so exciting. Yeah. You know, it was one of those ones where I, I bought five copies and I just mailed them to friends all over right. North America. You have got to listen to this. Uh, they were such a big deal. Uh, and of course, there was so much more from that era, you know, the Smashing Pumpkins or what else was I addicted to? Galaxy 500 and, right. and Red Hot Chili Peppers, right through to Mazzy Star. Like an incredible continuum of new music emerged that I was blessed to have a chance to listen to. The shoegazer stuff, ride, yeah. lush, slow drive, uh, all of that stuff that uh, was suddenly being generated out of a new wave of awesome new rock and roll. Yeah. But uh, Smells Like Team Spirit um, was a declaration of revolution. Right. Uh, it was a joy. Right. Um, so I, I think it's so interesting that you, you talk about um, sort of mailing CDs to friends. I think that that I mean just just in today's era of streaming that is something for someone uh, you know to someone of my generation that's virtually unheard of. I mean, you know, there was an era where maybe we mailed MP3 files, um e- emailed, uh mind you not uh <laughs> So I mean, what 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 was the sort of cuz I would imagine that that's not cheap. Um what was the criteria for you for uh you know what what did a CD have to do for you to want to send it out to friends like that? So I think uh Malcolm Gladwell who I got to meet at U of D. Yeah. Um uh would have probably uh seen me as an aspirational influencer. Right. So uh um uh, it was just urgent that friends of mine uh, hear this uh, in order to uh, join me in appreciating there was a new rock and roll revolution declared. Right. Um, And so, you know, 
it was an extra effort to go and buy postage and send them. Right. Uh, but it was I've I've done it before. I've done it since. Yeah. Uh, and just to further date myself, uh, this was much more technologically advanced. We used to make mixtapes for each other on cassettes. Right. And uh, you would spend a lot of time on those. Right. So uh, so sending a CD piece of cake. All right, brilliant. Well, this is uh, Nirvana with Smells Like Teen Spirit on CJRU.
Alrighty, well that was Smells Like Teen Spirit by Nirvana on CJRU, uh, and we are now approaching our Canadian content uh, quota segment of the show. Uh, for those who are not aware, 30% of the content played on Canadian radio has to be Canadian, and uh, in addition to being a podcast, we are of course a radio show broadcasting on CJRU. Um, so, Alistair, what have you got for us? Well, I could have uh, done an entire show just on uh, the Canadian rock and roll. It's meant a lot to me. Uh, but given that I had a nice CanCon uh, window that you provided, I thought really hard about it. And I'm very excited about just how talented the Arkell uh, guys are out of uh, Hamilton. I could have easily gone that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, but back in 82, uh, I go to Ottawa and I get elected to the National Progressive Conservative Youth Federation Executive. Right. And uh, key to my election was the support from the British Columbia delegation. And the British Columbia delegation didn't just throw a good party. They brought a band. Okay. And they brought 5440. Wow. Uh, and they set up in a room in the Chateau Laurier and I think got three or four songs done before the management just shut it all down. Right. Uh, but I got to know them then, and I stayed in close touch with uh, the, the buddies out in BC afterwards. So uh, I became really uh, fixated on 5440 as one of the great Canadian bands that didn't make it right. uh, in America, uh, you know, like a Max Webster, you know, Rush made it, Max didn't, yeah. you know, that kind of stuff. Uh, it's always a bit puzzling. Yeah. And so sometimes we have tremendous winter bands that uh, don't quite make it. And I think fifty four forty is one of those. Their bass player, Brad Merritt, uh, drives a bass line that is always inspired. Yeah. And I think we'll hear I Go Blind uh, in this uh, set. Uh, and Me Island is just one of the favorite rock songs. Uh, I can listen to it all day. Right. All right. Well, so I mean, I'm interested in this idea, and this is something that we've talked about on the show before. It, like that, there are these bands that have a presence in Canada, and in some cases, become massive in Canada, but just don't make it outside. And you know, this is something that we again talked about with Tony about with the tragically hip. Um, you know, they obviously experienced just enormous success. I think they had three albums go diamond in Canada, um, but virtually none outside. So, I mean, what is it, do you think, about this band that sort of made them so prominent in Canada, but not really elsewhere? Uh, that's a super question, and I wish they'd solved it, because uh, they certainly <laughs> tried. <laughs> Uh, and, you know, and you think about all the fantastic Canadian successes um, that are huge yeah. uh, in America, some of which are rather puzzling to Canadians. Right. Uh, uh, though, and I, I noticed what Grimes is a pretty big deal right yeah. now. And I think my last Wall Street Journal article on five new artists to watch, four of them are Canadian. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, so I think uh, what makes it and what doesn't. Uh, it, it's not just Canada versus the U.S. because right. Canada probably uh, punches well above its weight in terms of what we export. Yep. Rock and roll all the way through to Celine. Yeah. Uh, so um, it's just a mystery that some bands just have something missing or it could have just been bad luck with uh, the networking they failed to do with some key executive. I just right. never been able to decode that. All right. Well, fair enough. This is 5440 on CGRU.
Alrighty, you just heard three songs from 5440. Uh, Baby Ran, I Go Blind, and Me Island. Uh, next up, we've got a tune by Willie Nelson. Alistair, what can you tell us about this one? <laughs> yeah, so that's maybe a curveball given the uh, trajectory we've been on. Right. But uh, I, uh, you know, coming out of Nirvana, uh, and, you know, I mean, I, I went to. Uh, very seriously into the political game for a bit, helped uh, Mike Harris become premier in Ontario, and Nirvana was the soundtrack for um, the bullpen where I worked there. The next year, uh, I got married, and I married a, a very sensible, level-headed uh, Saskatchewan girl. Right. And her musical tastes extended out away into mine. Right. But she came with some stuff I was very snobby about. Right. Uh, and very uh, contemptuous of, honestly, like country and Western. Right. Uh, and so it uh, has taken me a while to become the more mature, balanced, uh, <laughs> not asshole that I probably was back then. Right. Uh, and and so uh, I have learned to love music that I had no expectation that I would even like. Right. We mourned the loss of John Prine uh, together last week, and I got a chance to see him in Austin with her wow. a few years ago at his annual birthday bash. Uh, and that was meaningful. Yeah. But I got to discover, and we have had a chance to see a couple of times, uh, Willie Nelson. Right. And uh, I got to see him play at Massey Hall and discovered that not only is he this inspired uh, vocalist, mm -hmm. but he turns out to be one of the greatest intuitive guitar players of mm -hmm. all time. And this song, uh, Angel Flying Too Close to the Ground, uh, just takes my breath away. Mm -hmm. And he's playing it on this guitar that's got its own name. All his fans know his guitar is called Trigger. Right. And he's played it for so long that the, the wood has worn away from the strumming uh, below, the, below the strings. And it has a sound that is so perfect and so unique. Um, it just brings me joy. And of course, I'm trying to pass it on to everybody else. Right. All right. Brilliant. Well, so, I mean, this idea of sort of people who were once perhaps, I don't want to say snobby about country, but sort of, you know, poo-pooed it a little bit, let's say, um, sort of as their music tastes progress, coming to really, really like it is is very interesting to me. We, we, we just had a guest on the show um, who plays in an Australian punk rock band called Skeggs, and uh, one of the tunes that he picked was by a guy named Blaze Foley, who's sort of this old outlaw country artist. Um, yeah. But I've been I've been finding it very very interesting that that sort of my taste regarding country has been evolving as well. So perhaps in addition to Willie Nelson, just for those who may be in the uh, in the same position as me, coming to find a sort of new love for uh, for country and western music, what uh, what are some other artists that you might uh, you might well, recommend? I, let me. I have the solution. Uh, the Bridge Band okay. that takes you from here to there is Wilco. Okay. Uh, and uh, just follow the trajectory of that unbelievably talented band. Uh, a writer, the guitar player, is out of this world, and Wilco will get you there. Because right. that is uh, alt-country, uh, alt I think right. they called it for a while. Right. Uh, and once you've got that band, then you can work your way backward to the whole original uh, library uh, and uh, suddenly understand it in a modern way. Uh, and appreciate uh, the old great stuff. 
Okay, brilliant. Well, uh, in addition to this tune, hopefully people will go out and listen to some Wilco tunes and, uh, and get into that, uh, that old country sound. But until then, uh, this is Angel Flying Close to the Ground by Willie you Nelson. not have fallen, but I would not have found you. Angel flying too close to the ground. up your broken wings and hung around a while trying to keep your spirits up and your fever down Someday
everybody, you just heard Willie Nelson with Angel flying too close to the ground. Uh, next up, we have a band that is new to me, uh, Proto Martyr, with a song called Half Sister. Alistair, uh, what can you tell us about this tune and this band? Well, sure. So, I, and again, I feel like I'm skipping over so much, but in my uh, aspiration to uh, proselytize on behalf of the undiscovered, right? Uh, this is a band out of Detroit. And again, I, I was thinking I could do, you know, Arcade Fire or Arkells or Arctic Monkeys, just to start with the A's. Right. <laughs> uh, uh, and and there's so much good stuff. But I discovered this band by, cho- you know, pure chance. I've seen them twice. Uh, right. Once in a student university bar in Guelph. I dragged my wife. It was pretty hilarious. Right. Uh, and then just at Lee's Palace a few months ago before we were forbidden to go outside. Right. I was torn about choice of song. Uh, they're a, a fascinating group, three young guy musicians and an angry uh, middle-aged poet uh, as the singer and songwriter. Uh, and uh, it's hard to even describe how powerful this stuff is for me. Right. I think they're one of the strongest rock bands of the last five years out of America. And uh, Half Sister... Uh, is uh, has a twin song on the album, right. which uh, carries the riff through to a dramatic conclusion uh, that also has, I think, repetition. I think it uh, has the same uh, sentiment expressed 21 times. Right. I could do a whole uh, song collection just of good right. repetition songs <laughs> in rock and roll. But this is, this is uh, one that I'm listening to as I work out pretty much every day. Right. So, I mean, we, we've kind of gone through sort of like a musical journey, so to speak, of sort of how your taste has evolved. And now we're sort of in more or less, you know, what you're listening to now. Um, what is it sort of, you know, that you pull from sort of each stage in your life? And what is it that you sort of look for in a song that you want to listen to now, having had all these different, you know, sort of evolutions in your own taste? Yeah, so I think uh, lots of us, um, have songs that are connected to moments in our lives. Right. Uh, and, um, you know, the soundtrack I was talking about earlier. And so when you hear a song that's connected to an event or a feeling or a, a relationship earlier in life, uh, the memories come back when you listen to that song. I mean, that's right. just uh, always worked for me. Uh, and so uh, newer songs uh, do that for me just as well. Right. Uh, so the joy of discovery of a new sound, uh, the joy of discovery of a new band. Right. Uh, and when did I discover it? When did I get a chance to see them live? Uh, uh, and what was that like? And who was I with? That stuff just works for me. Right. And so uh, I, I listen at, at a minimum an hour and a half a day, which is my gym time. I have right. uh, selections of tunes that I listen to that work for me. Uh, and uh, they're not all the same every day. Yeah. But they're all, they distract you while you're doing the mundane workout. <laughs> they connect to uh, memories and uh, provide inspiration. Yeah. And uh, and uh, I, that's a key thing I look for in rock and roll is songs right. that connect to a moment and amplify the experience of that moment. Right. All right. Brilliant. Well, uh, this is Proto Martyr with Half Sister on CJRU.
You just heard a song called Half Sister by Proto Martyr on CJRU. If you're just joining us, we are here having a chat with Alistair Campbell. Uh, and the last tune that we're going to listen to is from a band that I have recently, just within the last year or so, really uh, fallen in love with. It's a group called Idols. We're going to listen to a song called Mother. Um, Alistair, how did you find out about Idols? <laughs> Pure luck. Uh, there was... Uh... A uh, period that is I, where I'm a boring insurance guy, and I spend a lot of the time on airplanes right. until the last few months. Uh, and until recently, Air Canada actually produced uh, a set of rock albums for you to listen to uh, as you're strapped in your seat. Right. And they actually had somebody who curated new music. And so by random chance, the bleeped out edited version of... Uh, uh, Idol's uh, first album, Brutalism, <laughs> was on Air Canada, like just just pure fluke. Uh, and I was so excited. I, I was trying to talk to other people on the plane about it before we left. <laughs> uh, so uh, I immediately uh, went and bought the stuff. And, you know, I'm a boring conservative and I'm a boring insurance guy. And uh, these guys are almost everything that's not that. Right. Uh, and especially if you think about what most people would see as modern conservatism, this is right. an out-of-the-closet, pride-loving band. Yeah. Uh, they're pro-immigration. Yeah. Uh, they were Remainer yeah. uh, activists. Uh, they're out of Bristol, England. And I got a chance to go see them at the Danforth um, last uh, fall. Uh, so excited. Yeah. Uh, and uh, just uh, as the opening act is finishing, I get a text from uh, my rock and roll buddy, uh, Tony Clement, about, you know, when were we next going to golf up in Muskoka or whatever. Right. And I say, well, I can't talk to you about that now. I'm at the Danforth and you won't believe I'm about to see idols. And he texts a picture 
from his seat up in the balcony. <laughs> I didn't know he knew they existed. He didn't know I knew they existed. We had both found them, and we were both at the Danforth to see this amazing live act. Uh, so, you know, you stand close to the edge of the wall at my advanced age because right. pretty much the entire floor was, was uh, a mosh pit of danger. Yeah. Uh, they were fantastic. I think uh, Brutalism is simply the best punk album since uh, Nevermind the Bullocks. Wow. Uh, here come the Sex Pistols. It's a glorious album. Yeah. And Mother, the song you're going you're gonna to play, um, is angry and foul and... Um, if I could only pick one song uh, out of this eight, right. it's the most recent. It's this one because that's uh, how I fixate on music. Right. Well, so I'm, I, first of all, I love that you were on the floor and Tony was up in the balcony. That uh, that that you know, I, I think that, that might <laughs> Me be. Me too, honestly. Me too. <laughs> um, but so something that I love about their lyrics, and, and you know, I, I've been trying to get uh you know my my old man into this into this band because i think that they talk about something you know like they they are they're a very political band but they talk a lot about sort of i guess changing definitions of masculinity um you know the the uh, especially on their their latest record um you know, there, there's that line that always kind of gets me which is you know this is why you've never seen your father cry um you know, what what can you say about sort of that side of their music being a sort of, you know, a grown man of your generation and then having this band come in and sort of really challenge the notions of masculinity that you may have been brought up with? Uh, well, good for them, I guess. Uh, it's the first uh, thought. I mean, the guitar player who's inspired uh, was wearing the tightest uh, set of Speedo uh, bathing trunks uh, and nothing else. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, uh, you've held a guitar long enough to know it's heavy. And yeah. if you swing it around, it hurts. Yeah. And when it bangs into you, it didn't seem to bother him. Right. But um, uh, like any rock and roll guy, he's in the moment and they're pounding away. But the idea that they're uh, using that level of intensity, mm -hmm. uh, uh, that uh, rock and roll sound and communicating passionately and angrily right. these advanced views. Yes. Uh, well, very is, vulnerable uh, views as well. Absolutely. And I mean, you know, the moment where he comes up to the microphone to do, uh, what's it called? Danny Nadelko. Yeah. And he says, this is about uh, the best thing that's ever happened to Britain. Immigration. Yeah. yeah. And you're going, that is probably a dangerous thing to say at a concert in Bristol. Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and so, um, yeah, they're unabashed. They're um, they're driven. They're yeah. purpose driven, uh, and they're also just a fantastic show. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, Alistair, with that, uh, thank you very, very much for coming on the show. Uh, it's it's always it's always a pleasure to hear the the music taste of a conservative. We uh, <laughs> it's not not easy to find, uh, as you alluded to earlier. It's not easy to find a Tory with uh, with such a cool taste in music. So uh, so we really appreciate you coming on. Well, I appreciate those kind words. I was thinking about my own uh, failure to be adequately uh, progressive here. All guys right. on my list. I'm feeling like a complete dirtbag about it. Right. Uh, and so apart from the fact the last song is called Mother. Right. And it is about his. Uh, I would just flag for those uh, who have not paid enough attention to Courtney Barnett. 
right. of Melbourne, Australia. Yeah. Uh, I could have easily put her as the last and best. I'm listening to her all the time. Yeah. And she happens to be perhaps the greatest rock and roll guitarist female right. ever. Right. And uh, live, uh, she is one of the most uh, joyful shows as well. So yeah. just to try and offer a little bit of balance at the end, thank you for the yep. invitation. No, and I if appreciate If I had nine that. songs, it would have been that. All right. Well, I certainly, uh, I certainly appreciate that. Uh, anyway, thank you very much to Alistair Campbell for coming in, having a chat with us. And uh, don't forget to like us on Facebook and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And to uh, wrap up this week's show, this is Mother by Idols on CJRU. <laughs>